Imagine a malware attack that isn't so much smash and grab, but is more lie and wait, lurking in the corner, slowly stealing information without making a lot of noise. Well, our first story, not quite that simple, but the general idea of malware being a lot more stealthy than usual is, and we have a great report detailing some attacks just like this. Hey, I'm Matt Johansson, and this is Vulnerable News. Let's get into it. Microsoft's threat hunters have identified a Chinese government-backed APT that they've been calling Flax Typhoon. We've talked about them on the show before. This group has been infiltrating Taiwanese organizations and critical infrastructure, but apparently they haven't been doing it in the traditional way of installing a bunch of malware and seeing what they get. Microsoft's outlined that this group is exploiting publicly known vulnerabilities on these servers. Then once in, the group uses legitimate software tools already part of the Windows operating system to perform their attack. This helps them maintain a discreet presence on the compromised network. The stealthy nature of these operations involves using valid accounts and what's called live off the land binaries. Living off the land, exactly what it sounds like using the stuff that's already there when they got there instead of bringing malware with them. This makes detection and mitigation much more challenging. Another story on this by Lindsay over at Decipher, which is one of my favorite news outlets, by the way, she points out this pattern of activity is unusual in that minimal activity occurs after the attacker establishes persistence. So they get in and they just wait there quietly, not making much of a sound, and that's pretty scary. Microsoft also emphasizes that this technique could be used on other organizations. Flax Typhoon happens to be focused on Taiwan right now, but nothing says that that's gonna last forever. This group has been active since about mid 2021, targeting various sectors in Taiwan, and some of the victims also have been identified in Southeast Asia, North America, and even Africa. This reminds me a lot of the SolarWinds hack, if you remember that, really stealthy stuff. These kinds of attacks have gotta be some of the hardest to detect, so blue teams, up your game and update your threat models to include attacks like this. We can all agree, spyware is bad. That means spyware getting hacked is good. My main takeaway on this next story is not all heroes wear capes. A Brazilian spyware app called Web Detective was hacked and the hacker wiped all of the victim's information on their servers. My guess is you pissed off the wrong person with the right set of skills and a little bit of vigilante in them. Web Detective is a type of phone monitoring app that's often put on a person's phone without their knowledge by someone who knows their password. According to an article by TechCrunch, it's responsible for compromising more than 76,000 Android phones across South America in recent years. Once Web Detective is downloaded to the phone, it changes the icon in order to avoid detection. Then very quickly, it begins uploading the contents of that phone to the spyware servers. This includes messages, photos, recordings, videos, social media, and the real-time location of that Android phone. Now, spyware apps tend to be incredibly insecure. They're notoriously buggy and they're full of holes. Turns out these groups who make them don't put the advanced in advanced persistent threat. Web Detective joins the long list of spyware that's been compromised in recent years. Unfortunately, the people compromising the spyware don't always have the best intentions like this one in wiping the victim. Data. In fact, there was another news story that I covered in my newsletter this week where someone installed spyware on their partner's phone and used that location to show up and shoot her and the person that she was with. Suffice to say, these kinds of tracking services have dire consequences. If you're an Android user, the TechCrunch article gives you 
step-by-step -step instructions of how to detect this or other kinds of spyware on your device so you can remove it. Head to the description below to find the link to the article. While you're down there, feel free to like and subscribe on this video to get all the cybersecurity news you need in a week in around 10 minutes. Your engagement on this video means a whole lot to us. Next up, we're revisiting an old story of the Move It breach. If you don't remember, this breach is related to a vulnerability in the Move It enterprise file sharing service. It turns out when we covered it last time, it was just early days of this breach and it's just kept spreading like wildfire. Currently, the number of victims of Move It related breaches is crossing over 1,000 and that includes 60 million users' information. That means it's becoming one of the largest data breaches ever tracked in history. This week, we wanna look into some of the numbers. Let's get into it. 60,144,069, that's the growing number of impacted individuals. That number is continuously rising as more organizations confirm MoveIt-related data breaches. 83.9%. That's the percentage of these breaches that actually impacted US-based organizations. Other regions like Germany, Canada, the United Kingdom make up less than 10% of the total victims. This seems to be largely a USA-related problem. I could not believe this next figure. And granted, it's an estimate based on averages of data breach-related costs incurred, but research suggests that total related damages related to this breach could be crossing $10 billion with a B. This is based off some reports by various organizations that estimate how much it costs an average data breach worth of cleanup. This has all been perpetrated by one malware group called CLOP. The feds are hot on any information related to this group and they're offering a $10 million reward that leads them in the right direction. I don't blame them for setting the reward that high. With the largest data breach in history, with large financial implications, it makes sense that they're trying to get these guys. I'm sure some of you skipped ahead in this video for this exact story because everyone's talking about it this week. That's right, the FBI took down QuackBot, one of the biggest malware takedown operations in history. Quackbot has been a menace in our industry for years, wreaking havoc across the internet. According to the FBI director, in the first announcement of its kind that I've ever seen, an actual video read out by the FBI director about this takedown. Our FBI-led operation infiltrated the botnet servers and redirected their traffic to our own systems to uninstall the malware. I had to double check it wasn't a deep fake or something weird because it was just giving strange vibes I'd never seen anything like this, but I'm glad it was real. He said, and I quote, the victims ranged from financial institutions on the East Coast to critical infrastructure, government contractor in the Midwest to a medical device manufacturer on the West Coast. The QuackBot malware typically infected computers via spam email and attachments. Once the attachment in that spam email or the link was clicked, it would download malware to the victim victim's device. That malware would add it to the botnet and that computer could then be controlled via command and control network by the botnet admins. The scary part about this, most of the time, QuackBot victims had no idea that this was on their device. The other fun part about this story is that the FBI actually uninstalled the malware once they took control of the botnet. I remember years ago when I would follow botnet researchers, they couldn't actually run the uninstall command on the victim devices because that was also considered hacking. You were running a command on someone else's device without their permission. So what they would do is sinkhole the botnet and take control of it and just point it into a dark corner that it couldn't get commands from the admins. But they couldn't actually uninstall 
uninstall it. This time, I guess the benefits of being law enforcement is that the FBI ran an uninstaller and have wiped the malware from all the devices across the botnet. This is an absolutely massive international coordinated botnet takedown. Huge kudos to everyone involved. And to you blue teamers who have been chasing this stuff around your networks, I hope you can rest a little bit easier at night knowing that some of this has been taken down. I've long talked about the lack of criteria to get an app into the Android Play Store or to the Google Chrome extension web store. Hell, I even deployed an extension to the Chrome web store for a Black Hat talk. I think it was titled something like Malicious App. It had nothing but proof of concept exploit code in it and it got in. They didn't take it down, I took it down myself after the talk. Well now, counterfeit versions of real apps are showing up in the Google Play Store and people are falling for them. This week, the counterfeit app that we're talking about is Signal. People fell for it. This is the app that people use when they want private encrypted communications between two users. It's believed this fake app is tied to Chinese espionage actors. This fake app named Signal Plus Messenger was designed to spy on the communications of the genuine Signal app. The malicious app exploited a feature in the genuine app, allowing it to silently link the compromised device to the attacker's real Signal account, thereby intercepting all messages without the victim's knowledge. This app has been removed from the Google Play Store, but it may still be installed on some users' devices without them knowing. This app was also in the Samsung Galaxy Store, and it hasn't been taken down from there yet, even though they've been notified about the fake app's presence. Anyway, if you're an Android user and you use Signal, you might want to make sure that you using the right app right now. When I say security and privacy are life and death matters, that's not hyperbole, I mean it. This next story proves it. If you're charged with the security and privacy of users on your platform and you break that trust intentionally or not, it could mean dire consequences depending on that user's location or their identity. In our final story today, a man in Saudi Arabia has been sentenced to death for posts that he made online on social media. Charges include betraying his religion, disturbing the security of society, conspiring against the government, and impunging the kingdom and the crown prince. All of this for a few retweets and some YouTube activity that were critical of his government. Saudi Arabia follows China and Iran as one of the world's top executioners. Although apparently this is the first time that Saudi Arabia has used the death penalty for this kind of online behavior. It's all part of a recent agenda to crack down on government dissent. I truly couldn't imagine this. Half my Twitter feed is critical of the US government. But we in the States sometimes take our Bill of Rights for granted. These rights are not standard internationally. Being a dissident of your government or maybe your LGBTQ, still very dangerous dangerous across the world. Our job as security and privacy practitioners is to make sure that we have voices on our team that speak for these people so that we can remember how serious our charge is and how serious the privacy of people on our platforms are. All right, that's all we got today. Thanks again. Tune in next week for another edition of Vulnerable News, where we'll cover all the cybersecurity news you need in about 10 minutes. If you like what we're doing here, please like, subscribe, leave a comment, subscribe to the newsletter, reach out to me on Twitter. You know the drill. We really appreciate the support.